whole Bible and nothing but the Bible. Amen? Amen. That is God's Word. That's what we came to hear. Amen? So without further ado, I hand the time over to uh, Pastor Roy, who is going to bring God's Word for our life today. Amen? I think we want this microphone down here, although I wander around so much, it's probably not going to help. You know, if I don't stand a little bit for long, right? Anyone paying attention to that? So do you all realize what awesome musical talent you have here in this church? Anyone else aware of that? Wow. Uh, I'm so grateful. I love the saxophone especially. Was she up there at the first song? She wasn't, she wasn't there when they were practicing, so it's kind of straightened me out. She was too nuts. So, uh, yeah. But I appreciate uh, so much, Julie. So I've got this little flicker thing. I'm going to figure out what they told me. I have to turn it on. I've got the and make it work. Uh, several of you have asked me, see my phone behind me, I'm looking at the Several of you have asked me this morning about my bike ride and kind of that whole story. Uh, yesterday I looked about a 50 mile bike ride and decided that, that was it. I'm done with my official riding for the water ride. Uh, together with my shadow riders, I've got four or five uh, people that are riding miles for me. And we've ridden 4,550 miles. And so uh, that's all good. says now I can ride for fun, but she doesn't know every ride is fun. So uh, that's, that's the good news. The, the really great news is that together, those who participated in the part of my fundraising team, we've raised $16,254 for clean water for the people of the Central African Republic. And that $16,254 is my math is good will provide clean water for 3,251 people over here. And so I'm really excited about this. I don't know where it's come. And uh, I had hoped and planned that a national conference would succeed. I could ride my bike down the center aisle of one of the major sessions and uh, take a check and hand it to Jim Hawking. I got an email this morning that that, that's not going to happen. So uh, uh, they've got a full schedule, and my plea for five minutes is uh, too much. So uh, I'm going to have to come up with another plan. So uh, Richard, that's going to be on our agenda on the plane ride tonight to National Conference. Some of you have asked about my health. I had two people ask me this morning about my health. Um, I feel awesome. I'm the healthiest 68-year-old dude on the planet. Um, But I had a blood test this week, and I'm still anemic after almost four months. But my numbers have gotten better, and it's all good, and it'll be fine, I'm sure, in a couple of weeks. So that's kind of that, that whole story. Have any of you ever wished you could look into the future? Have any of you ever wished you could know what God's will was for you, choices, decisions you're going to make? I remember growing up my whole life and, and being told that out there in the world somewhere, there's a little girl growing up who's someday going to be your wife. And your job is to find her. <laughs> and that was supposed to encourage me, you know. And somehow, by the grace of God, in the course of time, I found a wonderful girl who's become my wife. And this last week, we celebrated 48 years together. So um, that's all good. 
But we make decisions all the time about the future, don't we? Um, every once in a while, I hear about churches that are looking for a new pastor. They're trying to make choices and make decisions about the future. Maybe you've heard about churches like that somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> One of my favorite verses talks about having God's direction uh, for our future. And I want you to think with me this morning, if I can figure this out, I want you to think with me this morning about this very, very familiar verse. Anybody ever memorize this verse? That's all? Man. Um, some of you jumped in, you know, like, you thought they were going to that up. Um, so I want you to read this verse with me. Trust in the Lord. Are you with me? Trust in the Lord with all of your hearts. And do not believe in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make you your path My contention this morning is that most of us think we get what that is all about. And I would suggest to you this morning that you're probably a lot like I was. I grew up in the church and I was a member of the Grace Friendly Church in Long Beach nine months across the floor. So I grew up my entire life. The Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible, the scriptures, and memorized and so on. And I grew up my whole life thinking I understood what this verse said. And this morning I want to kind of maybe open an idea that you've never thought about before. By the way, one of the things that I find that's fun is I like to study the Bible in different translations. Uh, just to kind of compare how the different translators are translated. The, the first translation I gave you was the New American Standard, which is the version that I like to teach from. Uh, some of you, like me, memorized this in the old King James back when you were like six years old, right? And it says, Trust in the Lord of all thine heart. You know, the old King Jimmy English, right? Lean not into thine own understanding, and in all of my ways acknowledge him, and he will direct that path. Sounds kind of similar, doesn't it? Well, then we kind of make a little more progress. Anybody use the NIV, by the way? I can tell what you do. Uh, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge it. sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Well, then we... Someday I'm going to come back and do my message to do a Bible translation. I'm going to understand it. Some people, I had a brother. My brother passed away several years ago. Roger used to refer to... Not Roger Rick. Rick used to refer to these different translations that we call paraphrases, and he called them perverted phrases. <laughs> he didn't like anything but the straight original thing. And I would want to teach him Greek so he'd have a little more understanding, but we never got there. Um, so there's some of these new modern paraphrases. Today's English version expresses it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? They didn't get very creative there. Uh, never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and He will show you the right way. I kind of like that. That's not bad. That's a good box. Come on. There it is. The contemporary English version, one of my friends loves this paragraph. Not my favorite, but it does a fair thing from time to time. With all your heart, you must. Trust the Lord. That's kind of a different way of saying the same thing, right? <laughs> but I like the way it says it. You must trust the Lord. And not your own judgment. Always let Him lead you, and He will clear the road for you to follow. I kind of like that. Now, the message drives a lot of people crazy. 
And these three other statements are, I think, prerequisites to experiencing God's promise. So if you want to experience the fulfillment of the promise, what is required of you is what? There's three prerequisites. So if you want to know the fulfillment of God's promise, what's required of you? Do the, three, do the three things that are suggested here. So, I want you to think about the words, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's important for us to understand what it means to trust. Uh, the Hebrew word is a fascinating word. 
It means to run for safety, to grab a hold and to hang on. In my mind, it's what would it's what you would experience if you and your family were out in the Pacific Ocean between here and Catalina, and a storm came up, and your little boat capsized, and you were hanging onto that boat. What would be the relationship between your fingers and the surface of that boat? Important. <laughs> Important, and you're hanging on for all your work, right? So, the first prerequisite to having God's direction in my life is, I put this as a mathematical formula, direction equals the problem in most of our lives is the next three words are what? Trust in the Lord. Does it or does it not matter what you put your trust in? It matters a lot. Have you ever put your trust in a person who has betrayed you, let you down, disappointed you? We all have. I certainly have. Have you ever put your trust in uh, some material object that you were counting on, depending on, to let you down? Like you put your trust in a car to get you from A to B, and something happened with the car? You know, my wife, every time I get on my bicycle, my wife wants to know when I'm going to be back. Any of you guys have this thing going on in your life and your marriage? Yeah, all the time. And so my wife wants to know when you're going to be back. And it's like, well, it kind of depends. It depends on a lot of things. But one of the things that depends on on a bike ride is, if I get a flat tire, my best time to change the flat tire is just shy of 15 minutes. And so it's those kind of things. I put my trust in that bicycle tire and... We put our trust in a lot of things. We put our trust in our bank accounts, our investments, our financial security. And our financial security is about as stable as what? I mean, that exists still. We put our trust in other people, we put our trust in our finance, we put our trust in a lot of things that disappoint us. And Solomon's wisdom in Proverbs 3 is, where I need to put my trust is, where? In the Lord. By the way, that word Lord is a fascinating word. It's always good to stop and think about this. The word Lord is the word Jehovah. Who's Jehovah? What is that mean? Jehovah is based on the root I am. Our Lord, our Jehovah, is the great I am. The eternal, self-sufficient God for whom nothing is too difficult. We just sang that song about how be faithful. Not only that, but the name Jehovah was the covenant name of God. It was the promise-keeping name of God. The name Jehovah guaranteed the fulfillment of the promise, the covenant. 
Put your trust in the eternal, self-sufficient, promise-seeking God. That's where our trust needs to be, right? Back when I was a young teenager, one of my friends was older than me. Jerry always drove black Volkswagens. Had many through the years that I knew him. Every single one of his black Volkswagens was named Delta. And I remember one day coming home from school and hearing that Jerry and Zelda had been in an accident down at the intersection of Lakewood and Stearns by where I grew up. And being concerned about Jerry, I went down the street to find out if he was okay, was in the hospital, whatever. And the story Jerry told me was that he and Zelda were going through the intersection and got broadsided by this big lead sled. Big car. And Jerry reached out to grab a hold of the steering wheel and missed. And so as a result of that, Jerry wound up sitting in the middle of the intersection of Lake Winchester, sitting on the seat of his pants, holding in his hands that little flimsy tin horn ring that the little books like his And I think so often that people spend so much time, energy, and effort in their lives trusting in flimsy tin and Solomon says, trust in the Lord, the eternal, self-sufficient promise. Who better to put your trust in, right? Who better? So he says, trust in the Lord just a little bit. It doesn't take a lot, just, just a little bit, right? No, what does it say? All of your own. Not some. Not most, all. Put your trust, your confidence, your hope in Him. Total. If you want to experience God's direction for your life, it starts with what? Trust. Put your trust and confidence in God. The next line is fascinating because. He says, okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and what you don't want to do is what? Lean on your own understanding. And so in my mathematical formula, uh, direction equals trusting minus leaning. Because the more I lean on and rest in my great brilliance and wisdom and understanding, the less they find I'm going to be to what? That word lean is a fascinating word. Um, it's translated a couple of times in the Old Testament the idea of a walking stick, a cane. And the idea is that that cane is something not just you carry along for, for decoration, right? You don't carry a cane for decoration. Why do you carry a cane? Why do you need a cane? You need enough. You're dependent enough. You need it. And if you've ever had a serious injury to one of your feet or ankles or knees where you needed that, that cane, I walked on crutches while I was in high school. I was constantly getting injured. But walking with the cane to, to lean on, to rely on, to depend on. What Solomon is warning us against is the more you depend on yourself, your great wisdom, your great understanding, your great insight, the more that you do that, the less you are trusting in the Lord. 
You see, God, God wants us to trust Him without knowing what's coming next. God wants us to depend on Him without knowing what the final is. Have you ever had some, someone say to you, will you do me a favor? What's your first thought when someone asks you that? That depends on what they want you to do. And so your first response is not an automatic yes, it's kind of a qualified uh, maybe. God wants us to trust Him without knowing Himself. God wants us to depend on Him without an understanding of what the future holds, or even what the next step is. Trust God. If you're like me, I'm kind of analytical by nature. And so what I tend to do, left to my own devices, is I'll make a T-chart, pros and cons. I'm trying to figure it all out on my own. And that's not all bad. God's given us a brain, right? Right? God gave me a brain. I don't know about the rest of you zombies out there. So, you know, God expects us to use the understanding that's given to us. In fact, if you read through Proverbs, what does it tell you to get a hold of over and over again? Get understanding, get wisdom, get, get, get. The problem isn't having it and using it. The problem is depending on it. Because the more that I depend on my pros and cons teacher and all that analysis I'm doing, the more I do that, the less I'm trusting for it. And so yeah, there's a balance there and you got to kind of work that out, I guess, a little bit. But the most important thing in my life is what? Trust the Lord with all my heart. And don't lean on my own understanding. I'm not very mechanical. In fact, I've often said I'm the least mechanical person on the planet. But there are certain skills that I have mastered in my 68 years relative to the automobile that I drive. Um... I know how to put air in the tire. I know how to uh, clean the windshield. Um, I know how to check my oil. Check the fluid level in the radiator. I have mastered those phenomenal skills. <laughs> and so there's certain things about that car that are kind of within the scope of my abilities. But after that, guess what? I need to still a good candidate. I need to work on a transmission or the engine or whatever. And so, God's given me some abilities, some understanding. Use But be careful that that leaning doesn't keep me from trusting. So, if the problem is that my leaning on my own understanding hinders my trusting in the Lord, how do I learn to not lean on my own understanding and trust the Lord more? How do I learn to do that in my life? Well, there's lots of probably answers to that, but my thought is Solomon tells me. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. And the way to trust the Lord is not lean on your own understanding is by acknowledging Him in all my ways. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you were paying attention to all the translations you looked at, that's the line that has the most variables to. That's the line that is, is just over and over again. Um, got kind of some different thoughts going on. It's that's the text. So the King James version, the New King James, the NIV, the English Standard Version, the RSV, all say all that way. I grew up all my life, by the way, in the church, that is the way being told what, that what that meant was that I should keep God in the first place in my life. Is that a good idea? Yeah, I heard a sermon two weeks ago about that right here in the room. The uh, today's English version and the Good News Bible says, remember the Lord in everything you do. Is that a good idea? Not a bad idea. Yeah, but let him lead you. Well, that's what the promise is at the end. That's kind of repetitive. Um, come on. Listen for God's voice in everything you do everywhere you go. Is that a good idea, too? Yeah, that's a great idea. That would mean to acknowledge the Lord? Oh, we're going to talk about that. Um, the Amplified Version says, In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him. <laughs> She ran out of words. Um, <laughs> I always have to say with the amplified, you have no problem knowing whether that was written by a man or a woman, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Seek his will in all you do, the new living says. So, whoop. Come on. Oops, we don't see that yet. The third line is the most important ingredient in this formula. Because if God tells me I need to trust Him with all my heart, and the problem is I have a human tendency to lean on my own understanding, and I really want to have God's will, God's direction for my life, then it makes sense. I need to know and understand what it means to acknowledge Him in all my ways, right? You all track it here. Okay. So, that word acknowledge has kind of in the middle of it a four-letter word that you're all familiar with. And that four-letter word is no, very good. K-N-O-L-O. Now, what if you simply translated it that way? In all your ways, do what? No. In all your ways, be knowing. The word translated here, knowledge, is the it's the word that's used in the book of Genesis. And it says, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived the more son. So that idea of the word to know is a very personal, deep, intimate knowledge, right? Knowing the prophet Jeremiah 
Jeremiah said. Don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't let the strong man boast in his strength. Let him who boasts, boast in what? He knows me. And one of the most fascinating studies you'll ever do in the Scriptures is to study that word, to know God. And isn't it fascinating? In John 17, verse 3, Jesus says these words, This is life eternal. Here we're looking for a definition of what eternal life is all about. Jesus stated it in one simple sentence. Jesus said, This is life eternal that they may what? Know thee. And Jesus Christ would not accept. The very basic core idea of our relationship with this eternal self-sufficient promise he God. The most basic core idea is what? He desires intimacy, relationship with you and me. He wants to know us and wants us to know This is my eternal. They may know the point of God and Solomon says here that if I want to know God's direction God's plan in my life that the real secret is oh I take that one upside down and show God brilliant I am does that work? no <laughs> I told you I wasn't mechanical. There you go. In all your ways, know it. And everything that happens in your life, whatever happens in your life, whatever the events are that occur in your life, the most important thing in the midst of those circumstances and those events is what? What happens in the midst of life events is we have a tendency, especially when stuff isn't good, we have, at least in our view it's not good, we have a tendency in the midst of life circumstances is to ask one question. Why me? What did I do to deserve this? You know, why am I dehydrated? Why am I experiencing heat stroke and anemia? Why am I laying there on the side of this country road in Virginia? Why am I in this emergency room? Why, 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 why? What questions should Roy be asking in the midst of that life circumstance? Lord, what is it here that you want me to know and discover about you? What is it in this circumstance that I need to understand about who my God is? The kind of God He is. The kind of ways that He provides. The kind of ways that He makes His promises. We sang a song this morning that talked about uh, the idea that He's always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. You ever heard that? You ever read that anywhere? Yeah. 
And that, that idea of God's promise to always be with us flows through our Bibles. But do we really believe it? Well, we believe it when the good stuff happens. You know, we believe it when the, the new grandchild is born and we're all excited and pumped up. You know, we believe it. We struggle to believe it when that child is born and there's a birth of that. There's something that's not quite right. We believe it when we find a $20 bill in the gutter when we're riding by our bicycle, right? Whoa, God is good! <laughs> we struggle to believe it when we get four flats in 15 minutes. Well, quite longer than that, but I told you it takes 15 minutes. I had four flats on that. Four flats. What God wants for you and for me in all the circumstances of life is that we would invest energy, time, thought, and that. The problem, part of the problem, I think, is that most of us think we're doing pretty well. And then I read the story of Moses. And the scripture says of Moses that he and God spoke together how? As a friend speaks to his friend. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how is Moses' relationship with God? 27. He's off that chart, right? He and God are like this, speaking face to face as you speak to your best friend. And in the midst of that, what did Moses ask God for? I want to see your glory. Put your glory on Basically, what's Moses saying to God in the midst of this friend to friend, face to face relationship? Basically, what is Moses saying to God? I want to. More. I want more. How come we don't want more? How come there's something terrible Because I'll tell you, what I have is the one Moses had. Right? More. Or I think of the illustration of Mary and Martha in the New Testament in Luke chapter 10. And you remember the story Jesus came to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home. And, and I'll wander back to the microphone every once in a while for you, David. Is that okay? So, Jesus is in their home. Martha's where? She's in the kitchen. She's cooking dinner. She's hustling around. Jesus is there. She's going to fix him an awesome dinner. Where's Mary? Sitting at Jesus' feet. Relationship with Jesus, face to face, conversation. What's Mary's or what's Martha's response to that situation? She's not a happy camper. What does she want? Tell Mary to come help me. Tell Mary to get off her big fat backside and get in the kitchen and help me. Any of you women ever been there? Come on, tell the truth. That's Martha. Mary just appeared to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? How he responded to that? He said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by so much stuff. Boy, there's a statement about you and me. He says, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by so many things. And what did he say about Mary? 
what she has chosen is. What Mary has chosen will not be, if you read your English translation, Jesus has taken from her. It's the word robbery. You see, Mary understood the importance of being at the feet of Jesus, being face to face with Jesus. And so, we look forward to the future. We want to know the future. My friend Deanna always talks about wanting to know God's perfect will. It's like this driving thing for God's perfect will. Well, you have a direct promise from the eternal God, the creator of the universe. The eternal, self-sufficient promise-keeping God. You have a promise from him in Proverbs 3. What's that promise? He will. Not maybe. He will. Direction that. Make your path plain and be those promises. That's his promise. So if I want to experience that in my life, I need to do three things, right? Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Are you a truster this morning, or are you a leaner? Do you have a tendency to lean on your own understanding rather than trusting the Lord? Do you have a tendency to kind of keep those in some kind of a, a balance? Do you kind of like the guy that fell over the cliff, walked along the cliff of the ocean, and straight dropped down, and he fell down, and he's grabbing the face of that cliff trying to find something that any... He grabs onto this dead tree hanging out of the cliff. And he's hanging there for dear life. And he starts calling out above the cliff above him, Help! Help! Is there anybody up there? Somebody help me! And this voice says, I'm here. I'll help you. Oh, thank God. Thank you. Thank you. What should I do? I'll let go and trust me. Uh, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Are you a truster? Are you a leader? And if you struggle with the trusting side of the equation, my encouragement to you is to look at the course of your life, the course of your life. And is there in your calendar, your schedule, your day, time that you spend getting to know the Lord better? Is there time in your day where you've got your Bible open, you're reading, you're speaking, you're praying, you're having a conversation, you have a relationship. God wants us to know His will more than we want to know it do. Do you believe that? Does God want you to know His will? Yes. Does God want you to do His will? Yes. He wants us to know and do it more than we want to know and do it. So there's some adjustment there. And Solomon says, the key is, trust the Lord with all your heart. Well, here, I, I did what I call the RBAT translation, Roy's best attempt. Trust your promise-keeping Lord totally, fully, and completely. That woman with the amplified can be the only one. Trust your promise-keeping Lord totally, fully, and completely. Never trust yourself and your best thinking. In everything you do, make knowing God better. 
then he will help you to proceed in the right direction. I kind of like that translation. <laughs> so, I think you know, talk to the, the church, you look forward to the future, you're praying, Joey encouraged us earlier uh, about who the future pastor is going to be, you're praying and asking God to lead. Uh, you're going to be making some evaluations. Based on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the most important thing you can do in this process is what? Get to know God better. What does he want you to learn about him in this process? What does he want you to understand and mean about him in this process? It's not just a matter of analyzing a candidate and trying to decide if he should be the next pastor. The most important thing is, you need to know the Lord. Or you've got personal stuff in your life. You've got health challenges. You've got financial issues. You've got relationship problems in your life. And all of that you find frustrating. It may make you angry. In the midst of all that, what should your priority be? To invest time and energy and effort face to face George Harrison was a member of the Beatles back in the 60s. Many of us are old enough to remember, right? George Harrison was kind of the spiritual guy in that group of four. Traveled the world and trying to seek uh, understanding and spiritual insight. George Harrison said this at one time, and I always thought it was fascinating. George said, everything else in life can be built, except the search for God. That cannot be I'm not sure where that took George Harrison in his life where he wound up. But I've often thought of those words and realized there's some great truth captured there. All the stuff that distracts us, all the stuff that we invest our time in, whether it's social media, whether it's sporting events, television programs, Whatever it is that fills our life and crowds out getting to know him better. All of that stuff. George Harrison would say, you need to set all that aside and do what? Lord, help us to do that. We're so distracted by so much in the world in which we live. So much that pulls us aside and pushes us in different directions. I pray this morning that each one of us, myself included, each one of us, would renew or initiate it to get to know you better. Perhaps even making that a commitment in your own heart this morning. Lord, I need to know you more. I need to know you better. I want to be a little bit more like Moses, who said, I want to know Lord, help us with our prayer together. Well, I don't know about y'all, but that was encouraging. Amen? Um... Man, there's not much to say. Because, wow. Um, again, I encourage you, though, continue praying. Um, for God's path, for God's will for this church. 
doesn't matter who stands at this pulpit. What matters is who we put our trust in. Amen? So, keep praying. Keep knowing God better. And enjoy the rest of your Sunday. God dismissed.